And now we move into my favorite portion of the show, which is the portion where we get to review a film. This week's film is called Cruella. It's a Disney live action movie. It's rated PG-13, runtime around two hours, 14 minutes. You can catch it in theaters or on Disney Plus with premiere access if you shell out 30 bones for it. Um, either way, you can do it. It'll probably cost you $30 anyway. <laughs> anyway, you slice it whether you go see it in theaters yes, unless you go yes. by yourself and drink water, in which case it will be slightly less than than $30. So however <laughs> you want to go about it, yeah, you'll hate yourself. But um, that's an option, okay, if you want to save some money. But those are the places that you can watch it. If you haven't seen it, we are going to be slinging spoilers around. So uh, feel free to go earmuffs or skip ahead to the end or whatever you need to do um, and then come back and listen to the review after you've seen the movie. But Kirk, before we do our review, this is a movie that is sort of a spin-off prequel live action thing that's tied to a very famous Disney animated film called 101 Dalmatians. And so I thought I would quickly test your knowledge on the first movie with a couple of queries kirk a couple of quiet surprise queries for you are you surprised gaming me right now i am i am this is not good i don't feel i don't feel great about it but i am doing it i'll try to take it easy on you just just to get people in the right mindset for the review including you Kirk. oh dear oh we'll start easy we'll start easy okay in that and these are all questions relating to the original animated movie in 101 dalmatians the animated film uh, Pongo and Perdita are the names of the two dog parents. What are the names of, of their owners, or as they refer to them, their pets? Ah, uh, yes, Roger. Roger, correct. And Anita. Correct. Well done, Kirk. See, not too tough. Uh, okay. Not too tough. The next In question, that, name one hundred all one hundred and one <laughs> Dalmatians. How many drawings were did it take to make the final version of the film? No, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> In that film, Cruella knows Anita, or they are related in what way? What is their relation to one another? Anita and Cruella. Oh dear me. Is is Cruella her great aunt? Incorrect. Cruella, your dearly devoted old schoolmate, Roger says. Her schoolmate, her old schoolmate. She is that crazy friend that people have uh, that just like clings to them like grim death uh, after high school and just like shows up unannounced. She totally is that person and that is a very real person. So Yeah, and obviously she went through some life because she always (laughs) looked way older than Anita. Way older, way older. uh, And her skin is basically green, grayish. Yes. Oh, man, unless, you know, like when I was in college, there were people who were doing the same degree as me that were literally actually 20 years older than me. So maybe that's what happened. Uh, It was a college schoolmate, maybe. We'll see. Perhaps. Um, okay. Last one. No, I'll do two more. I'll do two more. There are 15 puppies that are born of Pongo and Perdita, and only six of them are given names in the film. There are only six names that we actually hear in the movie. Give me four out of the six names of these puppies. Lucky. Correct. Spot. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. Um, uh, 
How about um, Daisy? <laughs> nope, not good. It's not good. <laughs> you got um, one. Sally. Incorrect. Thomas. Nope. All right, you're cut off. <laughs> you're cut off. The names are Lucky, which is the one that you got. Patch. Patch. Rolly, which is the fat one. Dang it. Um, Penny. Freckles. And, uh, oh, I, I need to look at my notes. I forgot the last one. Penny, Freckles, and... Thomas. I'm going... I'm doubling down on Thomas. <laughs> no, it's not It's not Thomas. I need to pull up my notes again. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. How did I forget? We'll never How know. did I forget? Oh, Pepper. Pepper. I knew it was another P. Penny, Pepper, Freckles, Lucky Rolly Patch. So... Okay. You got one out of six, and I got five out of six, and I had notes. So I think, <laughs> I think you actually, in a way, did better than I did because I couldn't find my notes in time. Okay, last one. Oh, no, there's more. Okay. <laughs> this is the last one. In the movie, Roger sings a total of two songs. The first one that he sings, of course, is his smash hit, Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille, you know that one. And the last one he sings at the end when he, they decide to keep all the puppies. What does he name that song? Um, uh, it rhymes. It's two it, words and oh, they rhyme with each other. It does. Can I get the letters of each of the word? The first letters <laughs> of each of the two words. Okay, sure. D is the letter of the first word and P is the letter of the second word. D and P. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, this should be easy. Okay. And they rhyme. <laughs> um, Daddy Patty or um, <laughs> hold on, don't hit the buzzer. Don't hit the buzzer. Um, Ditsy Pitsy or we could also say Day Day Pay Pay I have no clue. I have no clue what this is. <laughs> Dalmatian Plantation. Oh. Dalmatian. We'll have a Dalmatian Plantation. That's what he sings. Um, okay. Sorry, Kirk. That was unfair, but I just wanted to <sighs> get people back into that that mind frame of that old animated 101 Dalmatians film. All right. So well done. You got the I first failed. two correct. No, you got the first one correct. So it's okay. <laughs> you did better, literally did better than I do in 90% of the games that we play. And you were surprised. I'm usually prepared. I don't know. It's, oh, it's one of those man. things. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. So we're talking about Cruella, and it's my responsibility to synopse it. And I have to say, Kirk, I really toyed with the idea of doing a song parody synopsis, but I just didn't have the time to uh, get the lyrics Get the okay. Lyrics. But I was going to do a Cruella DeVille. Maybe I'll finish writing it and post it. I don't know. But um, I'll just be I, boring and do a boring talking synopsis instead. I believe in you. Uh, I want to see this. Uh, so, yes, keep. Do, would you like me to <laughs> sing? Would you like me to hum Cruella DeVille underneath you or possibly trumpet it? You know? Yeah, sure. That works. That works. Would you like I'll a just... hum or would you like. I think a hum would be good. Okay, cool. Feeling <clears throat> it. All right. Mm -hmm. Cruella is based on the famous mm -hmm. 
Disney villain, Cruella de Vil, which is actually based on a book from back in the day called 101 Dalmatians. But this movie starring Emma Stone is the origin story of our of our favorite Disney villain, Cruella. Talks about how she once was a kid named Estella who, who wanted to be a fashion designer. She lost her mom at a young age and then became a fashion designer and how she sort of battled that duality of Estella and Cruella in her mind. So that's uh, that's Cruella. Beautiful. Well done, Kirk. Anything Beautiful. else I need to add before we dive into this movie? Any other parts of the synopsis? Well, I was focusing so hard on my humming <laughs> that I didn't hear a word. <laughs> Basically, this movie is an origin story about Cruella. It talks about how she is actually Estella who ends up being an orphan um, because her mom dies and ends up becoming a fashion designer. And, and the rest is all the plot of the movie. So there you Score. go. No, that's it. That's everything. All right, let's dive into our superlatives. The first one we always do is, of course, and the Oscar goes to. That's the name of the category, and it goes to the best actor in the film. This one's going to Miss Emma Stone. Man, Emma Stone, the range, the the professionalism, the fearlessness to take on this role, which feels like such a risky career move for someone who's as accomplished as her and something that she certainly didn't need to do. Um she took it, she ran with it, and boy, did she run with it. I mean, she created a really great character. She nailed every aspect of this character. The, the Like I said, the duality of like this, this, there's this Jekyll and Hyde sort of theme going through this movie with Estella, who is her, you know, who she is when she's good, and then Cruella, who is her when she's just untamed, uncaged, when she's her you know, sort of her true self. And man, she created two different characters. It was really remarkable. It, it was actually, and I know this is the, this is the, uh, you know, sort of the, the line that everybody's drawing together is like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker about how he acts differently when he's the Joker. That is what was going on here. She had different facial expressions, different inflection, a different walk. Her physical acting was totally different. Everything was totally different when she was in that Cruella mode. And, there are times in the movie where she intentionally blurs these lines between between Cruella and Estella. And for a movie that's based on a character that we know and and know pretty well, she she helped keep you on your toes, I feel like. You didn't really know which way things were gonna go um, at any point. And I think a lot of that's due to the writing, but a lot of that's due to her performance as well. I just I can't say enough about it. I thought she was stellar. I really did. And I I I've talked about it on the podcast. I expected this movie to suck, and I almost never say that, but I just really, seeing the promotional materials, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work, and you'll find out later if I think that it worked, but she worked. Emma Stone worked and worked overtime, and I thought she was brilliant. Yeah, Emma Stone also gets my Oscar today. She is someone who shouldn't be as good as she is, uh, <laughs> she, uh, but she's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. You know, Emma Stone's early career days came out of Zombieland and Easy A, and she is an Academy Award winning actress, and rightfully so. When you see the craft that she puts into this role of Cruella, and you sit back and you watch some of the other actors in this film, you're like, hey, get on my level because she is here to she's not messing around i mean she dives in she fully commits to this character uh, i love how you talked about the duality and the jekyll and hyde she fully 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 did this um and it, and what's more fascinating is that 
in movies like this, there's typically a moment when one of those personalities wins out over the other. In this case, it never died. Uh, so we get the big pinnacle moment when she's at the water fountain speaking to her, uh, let's call her adoptive mother, Catherine, the maid who saved her uh, from the Baroness's uh, evil clutches and uh, order of death, uh, quite frankly. And she's talking at the water fountain. It's it's the symbol of where she once, w- once was. And she goes back and forth. It's her big declaration that she is Cruella and that Estella is no more. And then three times after that, she goes back into saying, but I love you mother and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to, and I'm going to seek my revenge. It's for you. This is who I am. Uh, Cruella was always stronger than Estella, but that part is not dead in me. So that part, that, that critical writing and understanding, uh, is what, is what was so fascinating to watch her process throughout the entire film. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really is. It's a show-stopping performance from her, an absolute um, acting masterclass. I mean, I can't say enough about how, how good of a job she did and, and, and sort of always does these days. I mean, I just thought this is going to be a flop for her. This is too ambitious. There's no way she knocks it out of the park, and she did. She smashed it. Um, it's really impressive. Let's move on to Scene Stealer. And man, I have to say, this movie was really well acted across the board and there were this was a tough contest and I, I juggled with it back and forth um, you know in the hours leading up to to this broadcast but in the end it's Emma Thompson who plays the Baroness I love Emma Thompson I I just love what she does I think she's a master of her craft she gets typecast in a pretty similar role which is like the really tough to please like middle-aged lady uh, i mean we've seen it in uh saving mr banks we've seen it in late night with mindy kaling like we've seen her play this role and typecast or not man it's it's fascinating to watch and she does an incredible job and her acting opposite emma stone and both of them playing these i mean you think about it this is a villain origin story and somehow uh, Emma Thompson has to be the bigger of the two villains in this movie. And so that requires a ton of energy, a ton of intentionality in the ch- acting choices that you're making in order to make that stick and work. And man, it did, it did. It, it was awesome. And the supporting cast was stellar in this movie, honestly, truly stellar. And Emma Thompson stands above the rest. I thought she was fantastic as the Baroness Emma Thompson undefeated. She, she just does her thing and it's amazing. Yes. Dame Emma Thompson, freshly crowned, uh, 20, 2018 from Prince William, Prince William. We won't, we won't go into that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I applaud, I applaud that choice. I had to give my, uh, my scene stealer to Mr. Paul Walter. Yes. Hauser. Your boy, is just killing it in the game. Uh, th- this guy came onto the scene. He's three years older than me. This is this is what always bothers me. Uh, what bothers me? People that are like very close to my age and they are just destroying it. Like I'm, a, I'm happy for them. I truly am. But I'm like, why? Why can't I be in your proximity? <laughs> and I could be another character nearby you and join you. But Paul Walter Hauser, he is. He's been an Itania, Black Klansman, Richard Jewell. He plays Richard Jewell, and now he is. Horace. He immortalizes Horace, uh, this bubbling, 
just fool imbecile, if you will, uh, from the original film, and he kills it. I mean, you would have thought that that character was drawn after Paul Walter Hauser because of how he just flawlessly steps into that role. And when he steps into it, I always admire people who don't make it so much a caricature, but he really found like, if this guy is an imbecile, why is he an imbecile? Is he dumb? I mean, he's a thief. He's a successful thief. So what are his shortcomings? And that's what we really see it throughout. Um, he's got some really kind of wacky moments where he's like, you know, chasing these Dalmatians around, making sure they go to the bathroom to get the the secret necklace out that's from uh, Estella's, you know, birth mother, who happens to be, of course, spoiler alert, the Baroness Emma Thompson. Uh, it's, bom, it was actually bom, bom. given to her from the Baron who died and withered away. Uh, the, the, there are just these moments, these wacky moments like that. This moment where he falls off the staircase and into a cake, which wasn't one of my favorite moments, but he didn't do it over the top. He just committed and did it. This, this film is about commitment to characters. And if there's anything else that the director got right, it was that making sure that the, the casting was, uh, was full of people who just were going to do it no matter what. And we're going to not, not just like phone it in. They really did it well. They didn't cheese it up. And Paul Walter Hauser scene stealer for sure. Yeah, man, his, his whole comedic flair, but also the depth of his character was just fascinating to watch. The the scene that you're talking about where it ends with him falling into the wall and then into a cake. Um, the catalyst for that whole scene was that he was pretending to be an exterminator and he brought with him this um, <laughs> this dog, this like this this like chihuahua that has or a miniature pincher or something like that that has an eye patch because it has like yes. an eye injury or something. Wink, they I think it, his name is. Wink, yeah. yeah, they dressed it as a giant um as a giant rat. <laughs> and man, the comedy in those scenes was just second to none. I was cracking up. I thought it was amazing. They at multiple times had the rat sneak up on someone or lunge <laughs> at them and it was freaking hilarious. I absolutely loved it. Um and it wouldn't work it wouldn't have worked with uh without Mr. Hauser there. I mean, just crushing it. All right, let's move into Showstopper and then we'll move into director shoes before giving our final scores. But Showstopper, the thing that really blew me away about this movie, this movie had style out the wazoo. I mean, the, the style was off the charts and it was fearless, man. I mean, I can't say enough how ambitious of a movie this is. You take a beloved Disney villain who has issues like she kills dogs in the original movie right like that's a tough that's a tough sell um she is crazy she's got this like she is very cartoony and you're taking this to live action you're making it an origin spin-off prequel which is like again crazy crazy ambitious and the whole time they're doing this thing with like the fashion designer storyline and and the London punk scene in the 1970s and just were totally confident with it, totally fearless with it. And the reason that it worked is that they swung for the fences and they were just like unabashedly committed to their theme, to their aesthetic, to the story. Uh, the director of this film's name is Craig Gillespie and holy smokes, man, I, I just... I applaud him. I applaud him for the, for the guts. I think it took insane guts. I think working for a big giant studio with one of their 
prize characters has to be tough and you have to have a really clear vision that you can sell. I think that vision was there and I think it was executed extremely well. And the style, the costume design, the fashion, the uh, the landscapes, the buildings, I mean, all the different textures were just cash money throughout. And uh, that's extremely hard to pull off. It really is. And and this this movie could have been an absolute dumpster fire. And uh, this this group didn't let that happen. And, and it's it's a real credit to the creative group that they had behind it and the style that they kept intact throughout. Shot one all the way to the end of the movie. Really well done. Yeah, it, it definitely has style that you like locked in style that you can't even really pinpoint. Um, you know what you're watching is unique and different. Um, and there's all of these different facets to it, but you can't just call it one thing. And I think mm-hmm. that's what also makes it uh, will make it last longer than, oh, yeah, they tried to do this with this movie. And here it is, you know, uh, those are the kind of bold moves that make it uh, stand out later on when people go back and watch it. I think that for me, the showstopper was the the narration technique. Um, you mm-hmm. open up immediately with Emma Stone call- calling out that she's dead. And you're like, what? You're like, hold on. No, this is a prequel. She's not dead. I've seen this. You know, you got you got ways to go before you die. And quite frankly, uh, we heard on my uh, 101 Dalmatian knowledge, but I can't quite remember <laughs> if she does die at the end of that movie. Uh, but there is 102 Dalmatians. There is. But I have never seen that, nor will I ever, unless you pay me. And then I will gladly watch it. But I, what I'd like to say about this is that the narration tool worked throughout. It wasn't. It wasn't campy. Narration tools can sometimes become that. They can sometimes lean too hard into it to fill in the gaps of things. But really, the narration technique on on this really shaped the story uh, and really gave us the insight uh, that was needed. We had so much wonderful dialogue from uh, from Emma Stone, but we we it couldn't have uh, been as good if we didn't have the strength of her inner monologue coming out the only monologue we get from emma stone and she has a lot of dialogue is when she's confronting uh her past once she finds out that her mother isn't really her mother Catherine, that she was her adoptive like just safeguard uh mother she has that big monologue where you don't even see the fountain after the initial like wind up shot you just see Emma Stone as Corella. So that tool, they knew that they needed to uh, to allow that, to allow Emma Stone to be able to really have a big moment. Uh, you know, I talked about monologue Mondays. This would be a great monologue Monday. Uh, <laughs> Getting a, getting a crazy wig and, and putting putting that on and doing that scene, that monologue that she has at the fountain. Uh, I, I just think that the narration tool is difficult to work well, and it really did work perfectly in this film. That's a great insight. And also, I think you just volunteered yourself to do this monologue. <laughs> so congrats and good luck on finding a half and half black and white wig. I think that will be a bit of a... <laughs> Uh, without going full Bride of Frankenstein, I think that will be a, a tough, a tough get. But <laughs> yes, best of luck to you, my friend. Best of luck to you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, moving on to the other side of that coin, which is director shoes and what we would change about the film or what notes we would give. I have to go. I mean, so this movie. Spoiler alert! I think they pulled it off. I think they pulled this movie off. But there, there are some things that. Um, that could have been changed. I think the biggest one for me is 
they crescendoed a tad early in this movie and they brought it to a really nice, what felt like a really final climax in the movie. And they did it about uh, 35 minutes prior to the end of the movie. If I'm just eyeballing it, I don't know exactly when it occurred, but it was a, it was a smidge early. Um, like I said, I saw it in theater, so I don't actually know exactly what the timestamp was. I was lost in the, in the, uh, the, uh, whatever the movie the spectacle, the, the spectacle. spectacle. Yeah. The, the mirage. But anyway, it comes and you think this is the end, you know, this is the end of the movie. They have this, this big thing. Uh, there's the reveal with her, you know, she's like about to be killed. Basically. She's like going to be set on fire from this Baroness who is her, her birth mother. That's all revealed that it was like, it was, well, that's revealed later, but it was, um, you know, she knew that it was Estella the whole time. She knew that it was Estella the whole time that was Cruella. And even though she was working for her, like she knew that the, it had to have been her. And there's this big scene. She almost dies. It's a whole thing. And she survives it. And you think, okay, they're going to just kind of like ride this out to a resolution. No, they bring it all the way down. And then they bring it all the way back up for another big finish in which it's the final confrontation of the, I know you're my mother. Why'd you get rid of me? That whole deal. And um, I just think it's a lot to ask of your audience to bring it to this huge climax, then drop it all the way back down to no momentum from a pacing perspective, and then build, 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 build back up to one last big finish. And for me, that's that's where they aired. I think that was I think that was the big one. But um, the way that they ended it, from a plot perspective, was excellent. <laughs> from a storytelling perspective, it was really spot on all the way through. I just think they brought us a little too high, a little too soon and, and kind of created a little bit of stirring antsiness in, in the last like 30 of the movie. So it uh, could have been executed slightly better in my opinion. Uh, I disagree. I disagree. Uh, Cameron with your, uh, I don't disagree. I, I have a different You're take allowed on to disagree. my, I just wanted to quote Adam Sandler. <laughs> the, the, the final, the gem, uncut the gems, uncut yeah. gems, the final cut with Robin Williams. I would like to talk about the beginning of this movie and how <laughs> I almost abandoned this entire film. I was dead set on coming into this review and saying, Cameron, I did not watched this entire movie i started it and i did not finish it i was determined because i was so upset in the first scene the first not the first scene in the first sequence we get through the montage of what who estella is we get that cruella is like her alter ego you know she's got some issues going on but when they kill Catherine, her adoptive mother at the beginning of this film, when she is running through this underground secret uh, uh, fashion show at the Baroness's home, and then the un the un uh, visible uh, Baroness is facing yep. Catherine, and the dog the Dalmatians are chasing Cruella, and they jump past her for no reason whatsoever, and then they just jump onto Catherine and knock her off that cliff. I was so annoyed yes <laughs> they clarify later but oh my goodness was it so frustrating and i think that there's a different way to tell that i think that there is a different way to set that up i don't know what it is but 
it didn't make sense in the way that they cut that scene, uh, the way they edited that scene in which they were chasing the dog that Cruella had, the dog and Cruella, and then the, she went straight, they jumped straight over her and killed her mother. It didn't make sense. It bothered me so badly, pretty much up until the scene that you're talking about when uh, the Baroness <laughs> tries to light Cruella on fire, and then you're like, Oh, oh, they fix it. They, they're, they're, they're unraveling it. They're, this is what actually was happening. That scene put such a bad taste in my mouth. I was mm-hmm. determined not to watch it. So I watched it in two sittings. I came back at it and I was like, oh, wait a second. The second half of this movie really has it going on. Before that, there's also too much fashionista stuff, uh, diving like deep, deep, deep into it where we didn't even need that much. Uh, I mean, your movie is what, almost two and a half hours. There was a lot of fluff that could have been cut out during this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So reshape Mm -hmm. that opening scene because man, did it drive me bonkers. And to this day, it, 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 to this day, I mean, I watched it yesterday to this day. I am very frustrated <laughs> by it uh, one day later. And I, I just got to say that there's a better way to do it. I don't know what it is, but goodness, it made me mad. And I'll, I'll if I ever watch this movie again, I will skip the fur that scene and just keep going because there's so much good past that. So often we get movies that have that mess up in the middle. This movie started getting good in the middle and just and just kept going well, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's a pretty jarring scene to see somebody early in a movie that you don't again, you're feeling it out, right? To see someone pushed off of a cliff by three Dalmatians like in slow motion is you're like, well, that is absurd. Yes. <laughs> you know, like they didn't no even other thought that can come into your mind other than that, because it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and yeah. you know, you know, like the history of the character and the Dalmatians and you're like, is this the origin? Oh my God. You know, it's like you go through that whole thought process. So I totally get that. Um, they do clean it up rather nicely. They do. I totally. I totally get that reaction. The whistle, the dog whistle, and she's, yeah. you know, it was that the the reveal was bigger than just that. That it was also the Baroness was her mother, and yeah, there was a lot of stuff baked in there. I just wish they would have taken a little bit more time with it to really understand how it would resonate with yep. me specifically, uh, specifically yeah, for yeah, sure. when I watched it at home. So I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair ask going I, forward. I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into final thoughts and scores. Uh, like I said a little while ago, I think they pulled it off. I really do. And, and no one is more surprised about that than I am. I really um, thought it was a remarkable accomplishment. I thought it was a very ambitious film. Um, so kudos. Kudos to them. I think they did an excellent job. I don't think it's a perfect movie. As I said, I think there are some things that they do differently. There are some things that they have to retcon about this character in order to make it work in today's world. For example, her not killing Dalmatians, uh, you know, and skinning them for their, for their, their coats. Um, that was a good call. And the, they, they set up this thing with Anita and Roger that sort of makes you think that they're heading towards some sort of new live action 101 Dalmatians movie that will have some different, plot points and will will come off the shoulders of this. I don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen, but there is a mid credit scene that alludes to that fact. Um, so they have to betray the original source material a little bit, but I think overall it works in this case, and I'll be interested to see how they do going forward. I expect this to be a smash hit for them. I expect it to be something that has staying power, that people talk about, that people 
want to see that word of mouth is very kind to you and I'm putting this movie in great territory by giving it an 8.0 out of 10 uh, kernels. So 8.0 out of 10, flat eight for, for Cruella. Very nice, very nice. I love how you called out about the uh, the 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 was it the mid credit scene with them because it really does look um, like that's what they're setting up at the top of this film. As I was enraged over the <laughs> the uh, the opening sequence uh, and how Catherine died, I found myself just staring deeply into the eyes of the animals. They are all CGI uh, to some degree. Yeah. I think I think they're swapped out at times. I, th- uh, I think sometimes a, they're the, CGI and sometimes they're not. You're right. Yeah, I think there's a bit of both or they had the animals as the stand-ins and run it run into place, but then they they doctored them. So I think there's a bit of both going on full CGI versus uh, versus the animal uh, and CGI elements. So with that, I think they were, again, just just like you said, setting up the live action 101 Dalmatians because what better way to do it? Look, we we are the perfect uh, candidates to love this movie, uh, people in our age group, because this this is a movie that we grew up with. It was the the pinnacle uh, of, of just fantastic films uh, when we saw it in the 90s and early 2000s, even though this movie was made far before then uh those those moments of getting us back to the theater they couldn't just make a prequel cartoon my, my wife and i discussed this aubrey we, we said why not just make a prequel cartoon well i'm not going to go really see a cartoon but i will go see emma stone academy award winning emma stone uh take on this evil character and see what happens absolutely so the uh, the setup for the cgi character dogs that threw me off a bit as well i didn't talk about in director's shoes but i get it and honestly it was done well because there weren't that many moments or that many shots of uh technical shots of the animals i think it's great i liked i liked how roger and anita both developed i didn't like where we started with either of them but i really liked where we ended up with each of them and seeing that move forward into that will be super exciting this is cruella the beginning made me upset uh so much that it doctored my score hard and i wish that someone would have raised their hand and said listen this doesn't make sense. It, the payoff's not big enough. I'm. That's why this this comes down a little bit. But the style was great. Emma Stone was great. Uh, I'm going to give this a 6.0 out of 10 kernels. Yeah. All righty. That is our review of Cruella. And like we said at the outset, you can catch this film on Disney Plus if you have if you want to pay for the premiere access. It's a you know we've done that multiple times. I think Kirk did it for this time. I did. I opted to see it in theaters. I think it's a it's a good theatrical experience. If you're looking for that recommendation, I think it works. Um, but it's not something that I think has to be viewed in cinema. You know, it's not it's not a a Chris Nolan movie. <laughs> you know, it's not something right. big and epic and great. But I think it, it it provides a really great theater experience, and I think you'll be pleased um, with whatever decision you decide to go. But definitely, definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, yeah, that's Cruella. And now we get to jump into a schoolyard pick, which I think will be um, intense to say the least. Kirk gets our first pick here. It's the schoolyard pick of Disney villains. I want to lay the groundwork here, Kirk. And we didn't discuss this beforehand, so if we need to mulligan some of your picks, we can. What? Star Wars and Marvel are off the table yeah. here because we're talking Disney animation. I think Pixar is totally fine, obviously, but we're talking original Disney animation-type things. Uh, we'll <clears> use that as the launching pad, and we'll leave Thanos and Darth Vader on the sidelines since they come from a different world altogether. 
That's fair. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. First pick is yours, my man. Go for oh, it. Oh, this one's so easy. So easy. Scar. Dang from it. The Lion King. <laughs> Darn you. It, it, yeah, it's, it has to be. I didn't even have to think about this one. Your, your boy kills his brother just to gain power and starves everyone and just then decides to try to kill his nephew. It's Hamlet. It's dark. It's dirty. Scar is just pure evil. Pure evil. Scar wins. Scar wins just like that. Yeah. I Man, I love Scar. He's so awesome. Jeremy Irons, great performance there by him. Yes. And also... I love that Scar's I love Scar's motive. It's so deeply rooted. It's it's such a it's such a it's a motive that a lion would have. I don't know. It's so great. He's he's yes. a brilliant character, truly brilliant. Uh great first pick. All right. My first pick. Oh man, this makes this harder. I'm going with Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Oh, I think I think Ursula is one of the best you. from a character design standpoint. She looks awesome. She looks so realistic. Uh, and she's got some of the greatest songs of them all. Poor Unfortunate Souls is just oh. uh, an absolute bop. And like I said, the character design is on point. She's got the purple. She's got the black. Uh, it's a great aesthetic, a great feel. She's got an awesome, like, smoky timber to her voice. I love it. Um, and she's intense, man. She's, like, stealing people's voices. She's she's hardcore. She's pretty creepy, but she's also, like, one of those villains you can't help but love, and that's what I think is what's so iconic about the Disney villains. So it's Ursula as my first pick, hands down. That is dirty of you. Uh, but I mean, I, I took, I took Scar. <laughs> you took so. Scar, which is like so. the unanimous over number one <laughs> pick for sure. What can I say? What can I say? From here, it gets the, it's like the funnel is Scar and Ursula. I don't know. Those are like the yeah. pinnacle. And then it just, you can just do whatever. Um, I'm going to go super weird because this is a movie I haven't watched uh, more than a handful of times and uh, the villain in this is absolutely terrifying uh, this is from the hunchback of Notre Dame bro um, <laughs> you've got I, I can never pronounce his name right because I, I've only seen it once is it Claude Frollo or Fro probably Something Frollo like that yeah I don't right. know exactly how it's pronounced your boy in the 90s is singing a song called hellfire and just like summoning fire from the from the fireplace and he is just an evil, evil dude. You know, we've got a a uh, essentially a person, uh, a, dis a person with disabilities that he's like, murder that fool. Uh, I'm going to take over the world. This town is mine. Claude Frollo is absolutely insane and mad with power. Um, he's horrifying. He's absolutely horrifying. And he's my number two pick. Yeah, I think he's the reason I have rarely revisited The Hunchback of Notre Dame <laughs> since my yeah. childhood. It's terrifying to me. It just really was a scary movie to me. And yeah. I just can't handle it. I really can't. You know, the the movie itself is not very good. I remember watching it. Uh, I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, I think that I'd want to revisit it because there, there – so there's a musical of it and mm -hmm. the songs from there are – incredible like the music yeah. is really good so i want to go back and watch it and then somehow when theater comes back to life i want to go see this if it rolls through our town right but yeah. i gotta i gotta revisit claude frollo because uh in my mind uh he he haunts me 100 <laughs> i would i should say so man he is a really scary dude um okay for my second pick, just because I feel like it's going to come off the board and I want to get it, I want to get it picked before that. 
It's the woman of the hour, Cruella DeVille herself. I think, again, I think for so many of these characters, it comes down to the aesthetic. And she is truly terrifying. That scene where she's driving the car and they zoom in on her face and it's just like, like terrified me as a kid. I also love, she she probably says the word idiot like no less than a hundred times in that movie, which is hilarious. Uh, It's an underrated word and one that is, when used properly, is really funny and she just nails it. So... Uh, I'll leave it there, Cruella. She's really, she's a really a wicked one. Beautiful, beautiful. One thing we didn't talk about about Cruella is that there are like these little uh, wicked musical undertones, right? Like I felt yeah. like we were watching, you know, her rationalization, her journey, and we fed right up into it, just like Wicked does. Which I love that model. I really do. It wasn't exactly like that, but it gave me. Gave me some some of that some of that vibe those vibes yeah. right there so very cool. Um, my next one, Mr. Jafar, yeah. um, Mr. Jafar, the just also all mine are power. I mean, obviously all villains are power hungry, but specifically these dudes are like there's nothing else they would rather have at the end of the day. They would literally just cast aside anything strictly to get whatever powerful uh, gem or magic is in for or, or throne is in front of them. Uh, so Jafar multiple, he wants power. He wants to become a genie. He wants the throne of the Sultan. He wants uh, Jasmine. Uh, cr- the creepy, creepy, creepy vibes, of course, come into this because like you get to the end of, of Aladdin and he is like, you know, he puts he puts Jasmine in that in that, you know, makes her into a slave. Basically, like he is dark, like do not mess with this man. <laughs> he's, he's sadistic, evil, cruel. One of the top villains because he makes you cringe at the things he does and says. Yes, Jafar, man. And he ends up paying the ultimate price for his lust for power. That's right. Phenomenal cosmic power. You live in space. That's what that's what happens. Dude, scary. Also, the snake that he turns into, bro. Let's see how snake like I can be. Like seriously, haunted. Haunted Dude, forever. And even scary on the Sega Genesis version where you're right. where you're playing that thing's like dad dodges at you, running away, running away. Yeah, it's seriously terrifying. Seriously terrifying. Okay. Um, okay, let's what am I on? Three? Yeah, that was your third Sure. Pick. Yep, yep. All right, I'm going to go weird because I want to make sure that we put some respect on this uh, particular evildoer's name. It's Yzma. Yzma from the Emperor's <laughs> New Groove. Oh, my word. I, I love Yzma. I think Emperor's New Groove is one of the most underrated movies um, in the Disney catalog. I love the story behind that movie, how it like, never should have been successful or good. And it was moderately successful and has become a cult classic and is a very good movie. Very funny. Um, Yzma is an all time villain. Her and, and like her, you can't talk about Yzma without talking about Kronk because the way that they play off of each other is absolutely hilarious. Um, and just the fact that they keep making jokes about like how old she is and like how decrepit she is throughout the whole (laughs) thing is hilarious. And she is just a downright savage. Also, the icing on the cake is she gets turned into a tiny adorable kitty cat at the end of the movie and has like a really high pitched like helium voice. And she's saying all these like super sinister things as this (laughs) evil cat, man, it's so good. Yzma is an all timer. She, she deserves to have her names, her name etched among the greats in the Disney villain, uh, Mount Rushmore or whatever, but she, she's way up there for me. 
Yeah, and I love, I mean, she really is dark. Like, like when we talk about these villains, <laughs> the yeah. villains that like make you like really, re- I mean, there's there's no, a movie is not good without a good villain. It's just not, whether it's, uh, you know, hyperbole and, you know, a, a Disney movie or it's uh, it's like a thriller. Bad villain, bad movie, done. Enzo, um, that scene where th- she's trying to poison uh, Cusco <laughs> at the dinner table—it's all super dark. Like the the lead up before that, when they're in the lab, and right there uh, in, at the dinner table, where she's like going at it, and then he like he passes out, but they're like, "Give him more," you know. <laughs> the yeah. whole thing is the like, whole movie is ooh. her trying to actually kill him, <laughs> yes. like with anything that happens to be around. Like at one point, she tries to stab him. She tries yes. to like throw him off of the cliff. Like there's <laughs> endless ways, but her only goal is to murder Cusco. <laughs> It's incredible. It's incredible. I, I I applaud your choice there. I really do. Thank you. Um, so talking about more villains here. So I've got two left. Is that right? Two. Yep. I'm going to go uh, Mother Gothel from Rapunzel uh, or Tangled, if you will. Great. Uh, your girl, uh, Gaslighting Queen right here. Um Big, but but with the the dumbest flaw ever in that she told Rapunzel the day of her birth, like she gave yep. her her actual birthday, uh, because she that's what happens with these villains. They're so prideful. They think nothing can stop me. I'm invincible. Yeah, your birthday is the same day as those silly lanterns. Congratulations. I'll, I'll be by then. Uh, Mother Gothel, she she is horrifying. Uh, you get her under that candlelight. You see her her mm-hmm. eyes, and it's it's really really scary. Uh, and then she like beats up those two the the brothers, uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the twins that are after Flynn Rider too. Like just takes them down by herself. Like she is a beast that I do not want to tango with. Mother Gothel for the win here. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to meet her in a good, in a dark alley. That's no, nah. that's a fact. She's <laughs> she's horrifying. All right, I'm looking at the board here, and between the two of us, we've got three total picks left, and some big names are going to be left off the board for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to do honorable mentions because I think some people are going to get mad. But listen, we got to go with our heart here. We got to go with our heart. Um, this is tough. This is tough. I think I'm going to go Gaston. I think I'm going to go Gaston. I, I, I think. Okay. okay. Gaston is excellent for for every possible reason. He is so self-absorbed. He has an impeccable singing voice and has incredible songs. The um, it's time to take some action, boys. It's time, it's time to, to follow me. It's just so epic. It's he right. has that song. He has the Gaston song. Um, where he just uh, just flexes his vocal muscles there, and uh, who was it? Luke Evans, who played him in the live action yep, film. Yep. Incredible singing voice on that guy, just mm-hmm. like remarkable. It's perfect casting. Um, so a lot of times it does come down to the songs, and also the fact that Gaston was like ready to tangle with the Beast, who is like ginormous and. You know, the beast like had his guard down and stuff like that, but Gaston was like ready to throw hands and he yes. he came after him. So you gotta give him credit. I mean, that's that's tenacity. He's not one of these villains who's just like all talk. He was ready to throw down and and, and he just about got the job done. Uh, ended up paying the ultimate price, rest in peace. But he is a great villain. Really great. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace. One of the best. Really one of the best. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my final pick is going to go to a more uh, a more modern. Uh, a lot of these are are from are from the, you know our nostalgic childhood. But man, this one 
This next character is very, very good at what he does. Uh, Syndrome from The Incredibles. Syndrome, yes. Yeah. Good one. Uh, wronged as a child by Mr. Incredible himself, cast aside, uh, not given the time of day or respect that he deserves. Uh, this this is someone who is fascinating because he then got his education in, in villainry and decided I'm going to destroy everything and everyone make, make people love me, manipulate them and then take them down, take them down. So pretty, pretty fascinating. Syndrome has always been uh, uh, an exciting character for me. Uh, and I think that he will continue to live in infamy as one of the best. Yeah. He's got a great origin story. I mean, truly mm -hmm. an excellent origin story and he just follows it all the way through. You got to give him credit. All right, my final pick. Man, there are some big names on the board, Kirk. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to honorable mention it up. There are some big names, and I'm about to leave more big names on the board because I think I'm going with a bit of an unconventional final pick here. Um, I'm going with Sid from Toy Story. Ah, yes, yes, because yes. Because Sid, dude, is just horrifying, and <laughs> um. The way that he ends up going down and and the so play nice that Woody has to do is an epic finish and a great a great final blow to a villain that just like reduces him to a tiny child like he is. It's so awesome. But he is truly sinister and and feels like someone that all of us knew growing up where you're like, man, I do not trust that kid. He's like, he's wild. He's, he's the pyro. He's like doing weird things to toys. I don't know. Um, but he's awesome. Sid is an awesome yeah. villain and, and truly scary, even though he's like, again, he's like a 13 year old kid or something like that. Probably even younger. Um, yeah, it's, he's intense. He's intense. Beautiful choice. Beautiful choice. All right. So there's our picks. We're going to, we're going to definitely take this one to social media. I think I can't remember. I think you're on tomorrow, but I'm going to come up with a graphic that shows our five and then ask people for their five because we left some big names on the board. Should we do honorable mentions? Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I'll fire off a bunch. And if, if I don't cover them, then let me know. Maleficent, obviously, uh, from Sleeping Beauty. Prince Hans of the Southern Isles, man. That, yes. that twist, whoo, in Frozen, that's a, that's a doozy. That's a doozy deluxe and a good one. Um, Hades from Hercules, which is obviously like so many people's favorites, but Hercules is just like not a movie that's close to my heart. I didn't, it wasn't in my rotation as a kid. So I, I mm -hmm. couldn't, I couldn't pick him. Shere Khan from the jungle book, Prince John, who is a hilarious villain from, uh, Disney's Robin hood, captain hook, of course, Pete, big fluffy Pete, you know, just, mm -hmm. he's been around since pretty much day one and continues to be a villain on and off. And then uh, Randall Boggs from Monsters, Inc. Was, Randall. was on there as well for me. What else do you have, Kirk? Any I uh, We mostly had the same list. Uh, did we say uh, the Evil Queen from Snow White? Nope. Gotta have her. Gotta have uh, Cinderella's stepmother. She's yes. an evil, evil you-know-what. Uh, every, everything else, I had the exact thing, name for name on here. Oh, I don't remember his name. Um, is it like, uh, is it like the guy, the guy from Pocahontas, who just oh, kills everything in his path. Yeah. Is it Ratcliffe? Yeah. Ra Ratcliffe, right? Is it Ratcliffe? Okay, I think so. Like Colonel Radcliffe or something like that. Yeah, he's he's a monster. He's he's an absolute monster. So, 
um, all those, all those, and more. Uh, if you guys have some other villains uh, up your sleeve, uh, things that have have tormented you as a child, I know that Sid was really uh, tor- uh, torturous for my son Asher, who's who's six or sorry, seven and a half now. He could not watch the end of Toy Story for quite some mm-hmm, time because mm-hmm. you got to Sid's room and he's like, "What is wrong with this kid? I'm not, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing this." <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, Governor Radcliffe. Thank you, top fan Jackie yeah, Hefner Wiggs. We appreciate you. She's uh, as, she's as Disney as they come. I knew she would come <laughs> rescue us there. Uh, but yeah, he, he's definitely up there. Yeah, Sid, man. He's it's basically like you're watching the stuck in the middle with you scene from Reservoir Dogs when you go into that that room Woo! with him. <laughs> it's like so scary. It's the kid equivalent of that. It's like, oh god, what's going to happen in here? Oh, uh, so scary. All right. Well, that's our top five. Uh, that's our that's our schoolyard pick. We will share out our list so you guys can can uh, appropriately roast our picks and tell us why we're dead wrong. I'm looking very much forward to that discussion. I think it will be a good one. Um, but that's our show. It was a it was a fun one. We got to review Cruella and talk about lots of fun things that are going on. We will be back at you next week. This time we know the movie we're reviewing. It's going to be a Quiet Place Part Two. If you haven't seen that. The first one, you can uh, rent it on VOD, and you can also buy it. I got it for like eight bucks a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if that sale's still going on, but like, get it while it's hot, guys. It's a it's a great movie, um, one that I think is going to be an iconic one for our generation. I think it's a it's a big one, and we'll be checking out the sequel this weekend, fresh off of its fifty seven million dollar opening weekend. So, join us next week to chat about that. We are officially one week away, you know, as of tomorrow, Wednesday, one week away from Loki. When that show comes out, we are going to be back in the spilled popcorn machine, giving you guys episode recaps, speculating on all the things that are going on with Loki and the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we will get you all, uh, every, every bit of information you need about Loki and beyond whenever that comes on. Um, as always, you can connect with us on Discord. We would love for you guys to join our Discord server. This is where we you know, we we treat we treat it basically like a group chat. We talk about movies, we talk, we share memes, we talk about recommendations. It's a great place if you're looking for new shows, get recommendations, laugh at some funny memes. If you love movies and TV, which I think almost everybody does, uh, you got to join our Discord. It's it's a really good time. Also, we have a new email address: contact at popcornthenumber4breakfast.com. You can reach us there if you have questions, feedback, anything. Just reach out to us, uh, and we'll get back to you there. Uh, other than that. Thank you so much for being with us. As always, we are going to play the show out with our original music by the band Rhetoric. You know those guys. You know the name. You know the music. It's incredible. Go check those guys out on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. And thank you to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as always. We will catch you guys next week. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.